0: Welcome to Big Innings America's Cricket Podcast, part of the emerging cricket family. Stand by for part two of our chat with Peter Della Penna on the USA Cricket AGM. One of the things I love about Major League Cricket is that they provide continuity in, in the USA that's going to bridge across several different administrations in the USA Cricket Board. It, it provides continuity, and that's extra important when this particular iteration of, of the cricket board itself can't have continuity within its own administrative term. Like we talked about before, U17's shutting down. Didn't have to happen in the first place, but there's a lack of continuity there that, that it's just disappearing now what's going to come and go next what we should be doing is building things that are going to last yes okay sure sometimes throw the noodle against the wall and it won't stick you know but not three times every freaking agm you're talking about we're getting rid of this we're bringing this idea and we're getting rid of this idea you know keep it simple for god's sake just do the things that you do in in a high quality way uh that's what i think we need a men's nationals a women's nationals a men's u19 and a women's u19 basic Right there, just those things. We can get those every year. Okay, then the other things can be like, you know, dressing on the top. But this is what we absolutely need. Let minor league cricket and major league cricket t- take care of the T20 scene. Let the USPL inform the or, or leagues like this inform the selectors, which hopefully they are being informed on. Because honestly, I'm going to look at these and I'm going to say, is is the 18th best cricketer in the USA in the T20 format who's trying to get on this team, is he dialing it in? at some of these tournaments you know is or is he going balls to the wall is he is he contributing to the national product and is he going to go at all times because if if you're going to take money in a cricket tournament as a pro and you're not going to give 100% that should be a mark against your character for the selectors you know and, and likewise if you're if you're the, the the guy who benefits from the fact that someone decided to take you know to ease up a little bit because they didn't think much about this except for a paycheck look at that guy you know Take a look at that guy. One other thing that, that came up, and we, we've kind of
1: touched on this a little bit on the periphery, but you know, in terms of where money is being spent development-wise, you talked about the other column, okay? Red flag for me in terms of one of the lowest spending categories, I believe was coaching development, was like $7,000 in one of the, the figures. I'm sure you'll have the exact uh, title of, of the heading and, and the dollar amount that was spent. Development... Funding. If you go through the tax returns for USAC in the USAC era, and then USA Cricket currently, development funding is always one of the lowest expenditures, which I find not surprising, but again, just emblematic of the entire direction of cricket in the country and and ill placed priorities. Okay, I'm a big fan of of numbers and data in terms of especially the participation numbers, and I I, I really enjoyed. Nadia's presentation. I enjoy Nadia Grunig's presentation every year because she has very granular, very precise data. I thought it was a highlight. I mean, to get to 422, you know, I thought it was a highlight. She doesn't put other. There's no category of other in in Nadia Grunig's presentations, okay? She gets very specific. You know, having 422 players spread across, what was it, 22 states, I believe is what was listed there, 22 states, where women are playing uh cricket in the US that's important data to track in the measure to say hey right almost 50% of the states now have got female cricket going that's that's quite significant okay we know that a large concentration of that is in North Carolina and in California and in Texas and New Jersey and maybe a slight nugget in in St Louis Missouri as well but the fact that okay you might have five or six high concentration areas but you've got 16 other pockets where women's cricket is starting to carve out an age for itself, okay, that's that's good. And the fact that she put, what was it, 56 or 59 players or under the age of 13 who weren't even allowed to participate because they've got age restriction guidelines in terms of under-19 and women's events, okay, so there's evidence that there might be a little bit of demand coming forward, which is a positive thing. And on the men's side, it wasn't quite as granular, but this is, I think, one of the first times I've ever heard this laid out or any data of this kind presented in AGM in terms of boys' academies or, or boys'... Uh, junior cricket. Jamie Lloyd in his presentation said when he was detailing the pathway events for under-15 zonals, under-13, under-11, under-15, under-17, under-19, under-23, all that stuff. Um, but I think everything up to under-19, I believe he said there was roughly 6,000 players who were playing at that uh, at level in terms of boys cricket under-11 to under-19. That's hugely significant chart. I've never seen that before. We always see the the data figures of overall membership and the anecdotal figures of anywhere from 50,000 to 200,000 players specifically to show that the 6,000 junior players on the boys side and on Nadia's presentation having around 50 odd junior girls players under the age of 13 and out of that 422 of total females at least 50% of that is under 19 level so that's significant and I'm I'm happy that it was detailed but It underscores to me the challenge that is in existence for USA Cricket. I posted this on Twitter earlier today, but linking to a participation data chart that's produced by the Aspen Institute every year in terms of youth sports participation in America. And this is just the 6 to 12 age group category, okay? And again, ages 6 to 12, the lowest participation sport that they've charted in ages 6 to 12 is wrestling, mat wrestling, okay, Greco-Roman wrestling, whatever. Hundred forty four thousand people are participating. Then you go up the next lowest. Is... Absolutely pathetic. No, just okay. <laughs> yeah, those, those damn wrestlers. What are they doing? You know, where's
2: uh where's just get the sport out of it? Like hundred and forty thousand
1: <laughs> what the hell is Ruan Gardner doing? He's not doing anything to motivate kids to, to get on the mat, damn Ruan Gardner and his gold medal. Uh but then up from that you've got lacrosse is at two hundred four thousand. Ice hockey's at two hundred and seventy two thousand. And then at the top end of the pyramid, you've got basketball three point nine million, baseball three point two million, you've got soccer, two point two seven million, tennis, two point one million, golf one point seven million, flag football. Okay, now this is the one that really stood up for me. Flag football has got just over a million people participating. And I'm sure you guys both have seen ever since the flag football announcement in the Olympics was made, every single NFL broadcast is just bombarding you nonstop. At some point in the broadcast, they've got some promo, flag football, 2028 LA Olympics. Contact your nearest flag football coach today to get involved with Flag Football USA, and you could be in the Olympics in 2028. And they've made a hell of a lot of effort to pump this up for girls in particular. I can't tell you how many segments I've seen. There There was a segment, I think, two weeks ago on Thursday Night Football where Marshawn Lynch went to a high school, and he was playing flag football with these girls at some high school in Los Angeles, and it was hilarious. But um, at the game, the Dolphins-Chiefs game that was in Germany, they had the German women's flag football team uh, on yeah. the field recognizing them with Roger Goodell. You know, they didn't get some schmuck to go meet the the German women's team. Roger Goodell is on field meeting with the German women's national flag football team. all so, that So, you know, flag football, they've got a million kids, a million kids, and they really emphasize because, yeah, when you get to high school and it's tackle football and pads, girls aren't playing that, obviously. So they've bent over backwards to emphasize how much of an opportunity this is for girls to get involved in flag football. You look at the data, ages 6 to 12 in in organized competition, over a million kids are playing flag football, okay? Cricket is going to be playing as an Olympic sport in 2028. USA needs to be a top six country to participate. Just because it's, it's on US soil doesn't mean the USA is going to be guaranteed a spot. The rules have been laid out, only the top six teams in the rankings did they? Did, they was, did, did the IOC I, agree to that though? I, I thought that, as that far was, as I know, they have because okay. they want they wanted the best athletes participating, right? They gotcha. wanted, I, I know that that was the ICC's recommendation. I just didn't know if the IOC adopted that. Yeah. So how on earth is USA going to become a top six country to get their team in the cricket qualified for the Olympics if flag football's got a million kids and USA has got six thousand kids on the boys' side and they've got maybe two hundred on the women's side when you've got. You know, all these, we're, we're talking in literally three-digit figures, four-digit figures for cricket development in the U.S., whereas these other sports are into the six digits and seven digits. Until that gets rectified, I mean, that isn't a humongous eye-opener for me. And in, until that gets rectified, all these discussions about getting cricket as an uh, an NCAA sport, and scholarship sport, they're just not starters. That's, yeah. that's 20, 30 years away. And as far as I'm concerned, you look at the data... The financial data you can't be spending seven thousand dollars on development initiatives out of a, a three or four million dollar annual expenditure budget if you're serious about growing cricket in this country you've got to be investing a hell of a lot more in development initiatives. and so i hope you know a good start is they've said they've committed to hiring more staff to to really go all guns blazing with this cricket heroes initiative going into the twenty twenty four World Cup. You know, some of the figures they laid out, Jamie Lloyd said, oh, by twenty twenty eight we want a million kids to have touched a bat and ball uh with cricket in the US. It's very ambitious. If they could get to that million it would be one of the greatest miracles of all time in, in American cricket. But you know, realistically, how how are they going to get to, to ten thousand or or yeah. fifty thousand, let alone a million, if if they're not spending any money on yeah. on, on development initiatives.
0: No, a hundred percent. It's you got a you know budget of what th- what about three million bucks or so, and you're going to spend seven thousand dollars on this sort of thing. I do appreciate Jamie's data, like you said, that he provided. 100%. I thought that was great, and I appreciate uh, Nadia's data because we have to, in order to, for us to know what to do, we got to see what the problem is, and we got to see what the numbers are. And so, when when you see this, now we can start talking about okay, this is how how things are now. Yes, the women's numbers went up by over a hundred uh, people over the last AGM, um, which is good um, especially because we it looked like we were we were having a trouble retaining players with, with some of the more notable ones uh, moving on from the game. but but we need to get to the women's the women's figures are to me uh, a huge metric. We, we talk about this a lot, Amon and I. The women's figures are a huge metric. If we get those women's figures to where the men's, where the boys' figures are today, we get the girls, six thousand girls uh, under the age of under college age playing cricket. Then, then you can start to talk about. Then you can really get into the NCAA push. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that have to happen. You don't need to have exactly a certain number of people. What you need to have are people investing in the in the programs, and you need to have a, a pipeline to show that you've got people coming. But if you look at all of the NCAA Division One sports, the lowest uh, participation ones are in around the six thousand range for 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 girls. So you need to get somewhere around there if you if you want to have a justification for NCAA programs. Then you got to, of course, build club programs and all those things. I think that that's I th- I think that that's the the way we we need to focus. We need to focus. That needs to be a really top a top priority because you know in by twenty twenty eight, if we've got six thousand boys. Uh, playing cricket right now that that number is just going to keep going up so get the girls number to 6,000 and I think we'll be doing some really great things
2: yeah I mean I think again the developmental part to have that at 7,000 was really interesting because they made the Crick Heroes announcement a lot of it's been about youth cricket and again you have an under 17 championship went back to that that was kind of wild to me that okay your developmental category was that low if you're going to what it seemed like prioritize under 15 under 17 you would want coaches to go along with that and you would want a lot more coaches. You would think to go along with them, and as you mentioned, it's going to be about getting the numbers up. Peter, I, I saw that tweet this morning, and um, you know, field hockey wasn't on that list. And field hockey is NCAA sport, and it'll be an Olymp- it's an Olympic sport, and so you don't have to reach you know, what lacrosse or maybe what flag football is. But if you can get to around field hockey numbers, you can marry the best of both worlds. So there is a way that okay, you don't have to get to a hundred thousand. That would be ideal. We get to a hundred thousand, right? It's a it's a dream. At this point in time but if you can get to field hockey area and get to that world now you're making progress and now you're talking about the ncaa now you're talking about possibly an olympics if not this go around but you have three installments of cricket in the olympics now so maybe by 2032 you could be in there and you bring up the field hockey point again which i always
0: love
1: <laughs> we saw recently there was the the thing on twitter that um erica Randler had where she was going to a california field hockey match She's an alum. She played for the California field hockey team, California Bears, Cal Berkeley, and she was there uh, to support Danny Rhodes, John T. Rhodes' daughter, who previously played at Liberty. She was in your neck of the woods, Alma. She was, she was at Liberty. Uh, and uh, after completing her undergraduate degree, she still had a year of eligibility left, I think in part due to the COVID bonus year that everybody's gotten. And so she enrolled as a grad student at Cal, so she's been able to to play an extra year at Cal and uh I I learned I did not notice Cal is in the America East conference in field hockey and everyone yeah. thought that I guess there's not a Pac twelve uh, field hockey conference maybe there is, I don't know. But I know that Cal is in the America East. But anyway, Eric Ren was a shining example of what you can do accessing field hockey talent. There's so many other examples in other parts of the world where field hockey players double up play cricket in other countries, whether it's South Africa or Australia or New Zealand or whatever. I think it's great. Yeah, at Nadia Nadia Gruni unveiled in the AGM, they've got a pilot program that's that's the softball sisters. I think that's like one that. Of them yeah, but at the same time, I worry that historically there's always been tunnel vision of oh we've got to convert baseball players to cricket. Oh on the men's side, oh we've got to convert softball players to cricket on the women's side. We've got firsthand evidence. One of USA's best players in recent times was a field hockey player. I certainly hope that there will be a similar initiative done. To encourage a partnership of some kind in the field hockey community to get more of those players to try and participate and give cricket a try. Because the way Eric Renler hit a cricket ball, you could be finding some devastating six hitters in the women's national team. If you went to a field hockey practice and you find some players who are 23, 24 years old, who were just about to graduate. Who there is no professional field hockey league, as far as I know, in the U.S. Hey, you've got a bat and ball skill. Why not give cricket a try? If they can do that with softball, with the softball sisters program, why not do something similar with with field hockey and put Eric Renler in charge of it? Field hockey
0: friends. And, there you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, alliteration's on point over here. There you go. The yeah, I mean, we did. We met. We talked briefly about about you know crossing over with athletes last week with with Sindhu and the point to me is you it doesn't even matter to me which sport they play when you find women that are playing sports that are playing team sports at a high level they love playing sports they're going to be open to other sports i think um you know people who play sports enjoy playing sports and that's a great place to start and and but yes field hockey players that would be i mean apparently that's that's a great i mean we have we have that the proofs in the pudding Bruce in the pudding,
2: and you know what? Well, might have started right here at UNC Chapel Hill. We got the the best uh, field hockey program in the country. We're in the final four again. We got a chance to we win on home soil. So maybe I'll go to the nat- national championship game and start holding a cricket bat and ball up and saying, "Who, who wants to give it a try?" You know,
0: you sitting, you'll be sitting right by the field in a in a leather sofa too, right? Because of uh, your <laughs> act no you got to... yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's not. It's not a, they might not let me sit in the
2: stands. That's how packed Shell's uh, Stadium is going to be if if we're uh, if we get to the national championship. We got to win Friday. We got to win Friday. Perfect.
0: Now, I noticed they didn't mention the fair break in the AGM. That was distressing because it's been such a uh, it was such a big deal about a year ago, um, and then it got canceled or it got postponed. However, you want to look at it, but it's not happening. Um, so I I emailed. I sent a message to Nadia and USA uh media asking about about this directly, about why the, the fair break wasn't announced, when it will happen. And uh I was told that they're still able to have it this this coming year. That it's still in the plans. They just don't have a date for it yet. Um so that's that's what I was told. It's still it's it's still on their uh on their list. I wish that they had said that in the AGM. Um somehow that wasn't mentioned. But I do appreciate that she responded to me. At the AGM, she's announced a mythical T20 Invitational in June,
1: but there's no slot on the AGM calendar for the scheduled events, which they were really keen to promote so many times in the AGM. Oh, this is the first time we've ever got a schedule of events for 2024. This is unprecedented. Look, we've mapped everything out, and we're committed to this. And yet, there was nothing on there for fair break. It doesn't end up. They, this. Oh, we we hope. It sounds like that's all they're clinging to right now is hope. It doesn't sound very
0: encouraging if they didn't list it in the schedule of events for 2024. Well, we get through all the things that are on there, both men's, women's, youth, everything that is on the calendar. And then when you see that there is no fair break, you start to question when's it going to be. You know, when would that be? And I don't see anything on the women's calendar for, you know, I might be wrong, maybe overlook something, but I don't see anything for September. Well, what what was funny to me
1: was, When it was first uncovered that there was no fair break in September, I put out a tweet saying it had been canceled. And I got a very, very sternly worded message, both to my phone via text. And I got a phone call. I was in Los Angeles, I believe I was out of Woodley, if I'm remembering this right, and I was woken up at 2 AM in the morning by somebody calling from not in California and somebody who was not really uh, cognizant of, I guess, time zone differentials, who very sternly told me, it's not canceled, it's postponed, it's going to happen in 2024. So uh, if it's been postponed and not canceled, surely it would have been on the calendar that was presented at the AGM. (laughs)
0: yeah that's a good point i would have loved i really i was looking for it i didn't see it i didn't hear it i thought maybe somehow i missed it and so i emailed them they said yeah it wasn't mentioned but they do have it in the in their mind i don't see anything in september september seems like a great slot for it or maybe even november you know september gives us the chance to have it here at church street park which is you know where the Lord intended it in the first place. So let's let's hope that, that that actually happens. But but yeah, bouncing back over to the men's the men's calendar and the men's information here. We they talked a little bit about rezoning restructuring the zones and they did this during the men's presentation, I believe, going from six zones to eight zones. And the breakdown of those zones was a, was kind of interesting to me um, when you look at the way that they're that they're broken down. So, so the main takeaway, Nate, is that. The folks up in Seattle
1: have a very high opinion of themselves. Now that the Seattle workers have made the MLC final in year one, apparently they're they're very confident of their abilities in the Seattle ecosystem in the greater Northwest Pacific Northwest. That they no longer want to share zonal duties with anybody in California. So it, it used to be in the old days of USAGA that the Northwest region was Northern California all the way up to Seattle. Now, in the, the redrawn map, they're saying, no, oh, even San Francisco, you guys can hang out with the guys in Southern California. You guys can fight over 14 spots. We're not going to share with you. Seattle is a growing market. That's that's segue number one. Segue number two, apparently the, the folks in New Jersey and Washington, D.C. don't get along because uh, they've decided to split up the Mid-Atlantic, which itself is a very tiny zone, into the very curiously worded North Atlantic and South Atlantic, which don't really match up with their geographical descriptions on the map. But anyway, that's that's a different story. Um, (laughs) But you've got essentially Washington, D.C. and Maryland has become its own zone along with Virginia and the whole Delmarva area. And uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania is its own zone. You know, we were talking about data before and how they presented 6,000 junior players nationwide on the men's side and 422 females of all ages on the women's side. I would really love to see a data set of points to be used as justification, why the zones were divided, how they have been. What is so compelling about Seattle or, or the Pacific Northwest, including Oregon, the rest of Washington? How many cricketers do they have registered right. that demands that they have effectively their own zone? Because as far as we know, any there's not really a thriving cricket community in Montana. I know Montana was included in that Pacific Northwest uh, new zone, but uh, I can't recall any cricketers coming out of Montana. And there's no, um, there's nobody out of Wyoming either. Wyoming was was in, 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 included in that. And you know, I know the Mets. You know, their their center fielder whose name escapes me right now. I'm getting to it. Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo. Oh, Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. Brandon yeah. Nimmo out of Wyoming. You know, Brandon Nimmo came out of Wyoming obscurity to to get a 160 million dollar contract with the New York Mets. Unfortunately, I don't know of any cricketers who emerged out of the the obscurity of Wyoming cricket uh, to to make any impact on the national radar. But okay, Wyoming and Montana have both been included with with Washington State and Oregon. Okay, I'd like to see the justification of why they they feel that they need to be separated from California and Arizona to be their own zone. And then on the East Coast, where is the data justification? I want to see participation numbers. I want to see player registration numbers to justify why New Jersey and Pennsylvania should effectively be their own zone, Washington, Mm D.C., and Maryland and Virginia should be their own zone instead of, you know, why is North Carolina being grouped with Florida and Georgia? North Carolina, we've seen the data from last year anyway. North Carolina now has the, the largest league in America, Triangle Cricket League, by Registration participation data is the number one league in America. Why are you making the number one league in America share a zone with Georgia and Florida? Shouldn't North Carolina have have its own? You know, instead of dividing sure I'm the Mid Atlantic and separating that into New York. Uh, sorry, dividing the Mid Atlantic to make it New Jersey, Pennsylvania is their own zone, and D.C., Virginia, and Maryland is their own zone. Why don't you keep them as a zone and that eighth zone? Should actually be North Carolina splitting away from Georgia and Florida based on the participation yeah. numbers. That to me seems like it would make a little bit more sense. I don't and, know. And Maybe I'm crazy.
0: You're not. You're not. And 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 looking at it, it's very strange to me the way that they're drawn up. Um, it's like some. I don't. I don't know what the purpose would be, but it's like a weird gerrymandered zone. Zone system. Like you look at the look at the northwest. Uh, as you mentioned. Like Seattle won the won the minor league championship in in 2022, and they did that by by bringing an awful lot of good players into into Seattle from other areas. If you look at up and down that roster from 2022, you're not going to find many people who call Seattle their home before in 2021 or in 2023. Uh, you'll, you're you're going to find when those players left, they they were in a big hole because now all of a sudden they had to they they didn't have enough. Uh, quality um, local cricketers to put together a competitive well they actually did compete pretty well but they didn't have uh, they, they just weren't the same and so meanwhile in in like that northern California area the bay area it, you know those teams can change over every single year and still dominate the whole west it's it's crazy to me that, that you would if I'm in the if they're going to really pick these teams on merit and I'm in the south I'm going to be irritated by this you know, you we I hope I don't mean to imply they're not going to pick them on merit. I have no idea what they're going to do, but but we followed the the league and we followed domestic cricket enough to know when whenever these teams are announced and the zonal teams or whatever for nationals, you know it, it we'll know who deserves to be on the team and who doesn't based on how they performed domestically and internationally over if you know where that applies over the last three years. It's just silly to me. You would think that they would want to draw that line. Just just north of Los Angeles, you know, and, and uh, I, I don't think that you're going to they're going to water down that San Francisco area with the two or three players that, that threaten to make the team from the Seattle area. You know, it, it's it's just uh I, like you said, the south too. The, there's, a, the, you know, Atlanta and North Carolina smooshed together just by themselves. I would think that that would be a pretty good zone, just Atlanta and North Carolina together. If you're going to—I don't know why they fractured the Northeast the way that they did, splitting it up into into three. And, and also, like you said, very weird to call a region that's normally—we call it the Mid-Atlantic because it's the middle of the Atlantic coast. That's why it's called the Mid-Atlantic. When you split that up and you— Very straight to the point. That's <laughs> all big we, we don't let it complicate. It. Straight to the point. Yes, it's called the Mid-Atlantic because it's the middle of the Atlantic coast. Then you're going to split it up and you're gonna now going to call that region that is actually literally the Mid-Atlantic. Now that's the South Atlantic. It's kind of silly, you know, like that's just a naming thing. I could get over that. Who cares? I just want to see a meritocratic way of, we we could actually funnel through all of the minor league cricket players, see where they're located, map it all out and see, and, and, and you could you know, just with the minor league players, I think that's a good idea of where the best players in the country are. And we could determine how to draw the map basically.
2: I think it also goes to the continuity thing. We talked about it earlier, you know, we've kind of, finally got used to where the zones are at least with the uh sure. the men's side of things so the boy side of things and jersey colors and everything so you know kind of what zones you're looking at you know which uh you know which states are represented in which zones and now you're throwing another wrench in it and it doesn't feel like for the right reason right like you said i i well, would what's be with the numbers yeah like what are the numbers if what's like the... if it is yeah. a numbers thing then you would have to feel as peter pointed out that North Carolina has to be in the talks of another zone. Or you know, California being roped into one zone doesn't make sense from another numbers point of view either. So yeah. it's a really weird change
0: that they're making. It doesn't feel like there is the right rationale. It, it doesn't feel good at all, especially if I'm going to do anything, I'm cutting Texas in half. Texas has had so many new players move there, that so many really good players. You used the word before, gerrymandering. This is the
1: perfect opportunity to have some absolutely – Ridiculous and outrageous, but completely entertaining. Maps, redrawn. This is better than any opportunity that congressional
2: redistricting has brought about through any census uh, over the last. You know decade. too much about that in North Carolina. I tell you what, we know <laughs> too much about that. I was interviewed. Actually, it's funny. Last week, I was interviewed for a story on gerrymandering. Someone was doing it for their class, and just caught me outside of Carroll Hall, the journalism building, and said, "Hey, I'm doing a piece on gerrymandering. Kind of ask you what district you voted, or do you know what district you voted?" It, this is a perfect opportunity for us. I could get to do set. Some
1: of those redistricting maps to, through gerrymandering are, are incredible, though. Imagine incredible. the uh, the
0: fun that could be had redrawing some maps. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we should we should look at this because I, I think a lot of players are going to be left out of these teams. A lot of the best players in the country. I mean, you know, you've talked in the past years and years ago, which prompted Amon and I to make that YouTube series in twenty twenty in twenty twenty early twenty twenty about the red white and blue series just the idea of bringing the best the best cricketers together uh, and splitting them up into even groups and if you're going to do a men's nationals I- i'm i'm all for putting bring it having a team of the of maybe a maybe at this point the four best a league of the four best a little mini league for a week four best uh teams worth of players in the in the country divided up by roles it doesn't do us any good to Dilute some areas and and makes uh, uh, push players out of other areas of other zones. At this particular level, at the men's level, where there's that much participation and that much quality, it's really stupid. Well, you know, Nate, I tell you what, Tiger Woods is
1: is uh, setting the example with this uh, virtual golf league. I t- you know, if USA Cricket doesn't want to take up the example you said with with having the uh, the video game version of the red, white, and blue. And uh, maybe throw on a Stars team as well or a Stripes team. May- There's some investor out there who's who's waiting to to produce some money. You could have, just like Tiger Woods is having with his virtual golf league, <laughs> you could have a virtual cricket league that you make up with USA Red, White, and Blue yeah, and, and a Stars team or a Stripes team. You could have four teams, five teams, you know, virtual cricket, you know, eSports cricket. That's we could
0: do it the next moneymaker. We'll do it on, on. I think I think the Cricket 24 game has enough uh, customization features, we can pull this off. It'll just take every minute of my life. I'm is already hey, did you, up you make on this th- idea 10% to the three people in this chat here. 10% to the three people. <laughs> in this percent chat. Of, you make this? Sure, absolutely. We're all going to be filthy, rich, uh, single layers. 10% to the big guy. That's you, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Heck, I just want to. See, what I want to see here is the old Jamie Harrison style. I want to see Texas take on Oklahoma here. This is what I want to see uh, in the nationals. I want That's to see a showdown. A 50 team showdown <laughs> where North Carolina can can face up against Tennessee. There we go. Well, and you might get a, a storming of the field. There. I heard you guys
1: talking before. That, that could produce a, a, a pitch invasion, court right. storming. Tear, we got to put her down the side of the screen. Instead of yeah, instead of tearing down the goalposts,
0: you can you can tear down the wickets or tear down the sight screen. The possibilities are endless. The way that the the nationals was handled in 2021 at the U19 level to me was perfect. At the men's U19 level, because what you had was a cult team, which was hey, if you're in a zone that's super good, and you know you get forced out because some you have you might be the 20, you might be the fifth best cricketer in the country, but you're the third best in your role in your zone, so you're not making the team. You're on the Colts now. And that Colts team did really, really well. We saw some amazing performances out of that Colts team. So I say instead of doing these eight zones, do seven zones and have a Colts team, you know, if you're going to do it like that. Who's going to battle for the seventh zonal supremacy, though, Nate? I don't know what you would have to do. Maybe uh, how are you going to gerrymander that seventh zone, Nate? Stick us with D.C. or something with Maryland and uh, Pennsylvania. But that would be a crazy zone, (laughs) half south of the owners. But but yeah, I don't like the way this is drawn up. I think if I'm a person in California, there's going to be a lot of great Californians left out. There's going to be a lot of great Texans left out when you factor in all the Coloradans and the Mexicans. Oh, here's here's another question: If these nationals are so important, if these men's national championships are so critical that you have to you have to take all of the prestige away from the minor league in order to have a T20 uh, national championship, and you have to have conflict with the MLC season in order to have your 50-overs championship. If these are so important, I wonder what's been done to help repair Kyle Phillips' bowling action. If you really need to, to know wh- what players you have, and you really need to see the depth of the, of the system that you have, what have you done to repair the bowling action of somebody who's been in your team in the past?
1: Well, if they've only got $7,000 to spend on development, initiatives what makes you think they've got money to spend on nursing kyle phillips bowling action back to
0: acceptable limits surely that can be in the other category surely that can be somewhere in that <laughs> seven hundred thousand dollar other category yeah i mean I, there's a lot of
2: interesting things with that and again i thought you were going in a different direction i thought you were going to say well it's the prestige now well you have to compete in you know our 50 over tournament or our 20 over tournament while they're coinciding with these other leagues that you know, you're making money from, if you don't compete in ours, well, you're not going to get picked for the USA team. And is that, you know, I don't know where the priority of that lies for a lot of individuals, but you know, is that something they're going to gatekeep now where you have to be in our tournament? Because it's not something that they, it's something that they have kind of done in a way. I've talked to a couple of guys who said, you know, I have to go to, uh, you know, this camp. Otherwise, they said my selection is not guaranteed. And, you know, some people, and it, and it matters a lot of people want to play for the USA team. So I, I'm curious into that regard as well, not just for, you know, the Kyle Phillips of the world, but also for some of the guys who want to do both, you know.
0: I like to think that the people who are selecting these teams, that the selectors have enough pride in their, in their role and have enough a concern for keeping their role that they're going to to pick the best players that they can find and they're going to look at every everything at their disposal to do that they're going to look at minor league stats they're going to look at USPL stats they're going to look at every chance that a player has to show his value they're going to they're going to research that and they're going to see who keeps trending in the right directions who just had a one-off good tournament? Things like this, we need to take advantage of all these things that are happening. Cricket's always happening in the USA. I don't know if there's a country that plays more T20 cricket. I'd, I'd like to give them credit that they're going to look at all of these things and they're not going to say you have to play in our tournament. But we're going to do it in Review where we're not even going to have uh, World Cup games. You know, it's like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to think that they're going to only look at their own pathway events or their own, sorry, national events. To, to choose these teams. I think there's just too much at stake, and I'd like to think that they that they agree with that, I'm getting well, a lot of stares I here. No, I have nothing to add to that. You, you sneaked <laughs> it up all day. <laughs> also, why so eager to, to stamp out minor league cricket and to kind of like we just saw we know the amount of stress that was going through everybody last year, what, nine months ago when we were waiting for a sanctioning, Eight or nine months ago, waiting for sanctioning for major league cricket, waiting for sanctioning for minor league cricket. Minor league cricket season had to be canceled because they didn't get sanctioning uh, soon enough. So many things have to go right for minor league cricket to work out. All these grounds have to be have to be scheduled. They have to be rented from the from the mostly from public places or private places that that want to that want to occupy every weekend of the calendar in order to make make some money. We need these sanctioning. They talked about slow sanctioning. They talked about more transparency in the sanctioning process so that they could get these things processed faster. Why is it taking so long for the events to get sanctioned in the first place? Uh, We know several instances, so many instances, where it went right up until the event's going to happen before they get the official sanctioning. How are you supposed to plan a tournament? Take advantage of all the people that want to do, that want to make cricket work in, in, in your country, and make sure that everybody understands that the selectors are watching you and now guess what you're probably going to be able to ask for more money because you're going to you're going to be promoting it to to your players to the players around the country you're going to be making a bigger deal about everybody's league it's an interesting point because minor league i think
2: really took a shot last year because of the sanctioning right you couldn't have ed edish plan was the first half of the tournament then major league cuts it in half and the first half of my league acts as a way for some of those players who kind of pop up in minor league to find the way onto a roster and then you finish you know uh the summer off with the minor league finals that was kind of the idea and because sanctioning you know went basically up against the dates you had to wait to book ground you couldn't promise anything at a particular time you couldn't release schedules and then you're running minor league after major league and there's a huge set of fatigue from staff from fans from players and it didn't Minor league 2023 wasn't what minor league 2021 or minor league 2022 was and not saying that it wasn't good. It just wasn't, you know, you were expecting yeah. something and you didn't quite get what you wanted from it. And again, those things come from sessioning and planning and timing. And it seems to be something, again, everything we've talked about kind of comes back to that, that little bit of let's plan out a schedule. You know, let's ha- let's make sure we know what events we're going to have, when we're going to have that and how we're going to do them. And those, you would assume basic things for any sports organization, sports league to have just haven't come to
0: place. At its very best, if the if the national governing body is working smoothly, getting along great with everyone, we still have to work around ICC's schedule. And when they decide to make the schedule, it's already got enough things stacked against it. It's already got enough challenges to make to make this the schedule work ahead of time. Because you're still waiting to hear from the ICC about the sure sh- sh- dates. Well, and to further that point, I.
1: Just could not understand for the life of me why the ICC scheduled T Twenty World Cup qualifiers head to head at the same time that the 50 World Cup is going on in India. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just blew my mind. Okay, you're you're cannibalizing your own events. That really you've got again 12 months in the calendar. We've made this point before. Yeah. Got enough opportunities to space events. So the ICC's made that error. And again, in the in the schedule that was laid out, you've got the women's Committee chair advocating for a women's T20i, you know, tri series, whatever, invitational tournament going up head to head against the men's World Cup in the same country at the same time. So, yeah, it's a recurring issue. And if the ICC isn't setting a good example in terms of when they schedule their events, they're having head to head clashes with the uh, men's World Cup, right. the T20 qualifiers that, you know, the America's qualifier that was in Bermuda, okay, that was going on at the same time as the start of the Men's World Cup in India, and the Asia qualifier as well that Nepal hosted. okay, Especially in a country like Nepal where they've got such a huge following and you're guaranteed to get a big audience and big traction. Why would you cannibalize that by having that go head to head with the World Cup that's going on in India right now? It doesn't make any sense. So if the ICC isn't setting a good example, how do you expect people in the USA to be taking up their lead with with the example that they're
0: setting. Well, I bet <laughs> I bet the the World Cup numbers suffered while while Nepal was playing. I bet that that's how that one worked out a little bit. I think uh, at least from the Nepal, at least from the, the Nepal fans, because they weren't going to miss. They were going to watch Nepal over India or anybody else. So it may- I mean, it, it's it's a
1: similar you know case. You know, would would they the organizers ever schedule the World Baseball Classic? during the MLB season. No, they okay. do it in spring training because yeah. they know that's the best opportunity to get the guys to participate.
0: Right. During the Major League Playoffs, we're going to have the World Baseball Classic in October. <laughs> like <laughs> well, Nobody's going well, to do that. even
1: Even the Olympics, this has been an issue in the Olympics where does the NHL take a two-week break to have NHL players available for the Olympics? Because they know if they don't take a break, the, the attention is going to be to divided there's going to be a chunk of fans who are going to follow the olympic competition and a chunk of fans who are going to follow the nhl competition even though it's in the regular season and they're going to cannibalize each other they're going to eat into each other rather than lifting each other up so other sports have encountered the issue they've found a way around the issue right well cricket should be able to do the same
0: cricket should be able to the thing with cricket that makes it so different than everything else is it started off as an international sport, basically. I mean, like the Australia versus A- 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 England series was the first huge thing about cricket, you know, was the hugest thing about cricket for so long. So it, it was always about, you know, obviously they had club, or sorry, they had um the county cricket in England and stuff like that. But but like the biggest, most sellable thing or whatever, most the cream of the crop was always the inter- international game. And you had international cricket you know, before you had really this franchise cricket that's going around now. Um, whereas in football, in European football, you didn't have a World Cup till 1930. So, you know, you kind of had the ability to establish these huge, incredible fan bases, you know, all over Europe for, for their club team, for their uh, associate football club team or whatever. Now you've got the windows built in for the international and no one complains. But, you know, if we do that with with cricket, so there's always going to be schedule issues. There's always going to be the the calendar's not going to be big enough. And we're never going to and to me I don't understand why nobody ever wants to run things in parallel with each other. Uh yes, like you said, don't don't schedule your international events in parallel with each other like qualifiers and the ICC World Cup. But we have so many time zones around the world. Who cares if the another league runs at the same time as the India Premier League? You know what I mean? It's not going to conflict with it anyways.
1: No, I definitely agree with with that part of it. Yeah, there's no reason why a league in in one country can't be going on in this league in a different country. You see that obviously in association football or soccer, uh, right? But yeah, just the way it, it is. is. Yeah, it obviously is a very, very
0: tricky, delicate ecosystem that everybody's got a high opinion of themselves. I guess. All right. Well, we've talked about this quite a bit. I, we still haven't covered everything in the AGM. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it a couple more times. I think to 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 get to really grasp everything and to really of soak it all in uh maybe one of these days they'll let us ask questions afterwards you know
1: well yeah that that's one issue uh the other one nate we didn't talk about this. Atul Rai, pintu shah not present any conspiracy theories is there some west coast bias the two guys from california from southern california they didn't want to show up in person why what, what do we what's the
0: conspiracy theory we're going to contribute to to that why they didn't come in person? They're protesting the the new zone gerrymandering. <laughs> I like that. I like that. If that's what they're doing, I'm supporting them. I lo- I like the, them standing on principle in this. I think. I think if that's what they're doing, we're about to see. You know that that legal that legal cost the legal expenses were under thirty thousand dollars this year. I don't know how. <laughs> we're about to see that change. Yeah, that was
1: that was an eye opener, but in a good way. <laughs> the week of oh, costs being so low in the past, they've been into the six figures. No more right. close to that this time around.
0: Direct correlation between that and USA's busiest year ever. The fact that we only had less than thirty thousand dollars in 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 lawyer fees, and that's got to be like our retainer fees at this point, you know. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, to those out there who are tuning into our stuff, this is probably by the time this is done, this is definitely a two parter. So. You're for listening to the second part right now, so thank you for joining uh, us, Peter. It's always great to talk to you. When we did the post game show, that was long, but we I felt like we could have kept going the rest of the night. We've got to respect each other's sleep a little bit.
1: Well, on that night, we had to get to Applebee's before they closed,
0: so <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's no got... excuses tonight, Nate. We can go on and on if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm trying to publish in the morning the first part of this. So, (laughs) but yes, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Peter. And it was great talking to you.
1: Uh, Thank you guys for having me. Always a pleasure.